Oh, mere days left. Oh, man. And um, do we have any... Uh, there's there's sort of no consensus on what's going to win Best Picture. I'm, I'm losing my voice, by the way. Nah, don't worry. <laughs> it's not... Uh, not some strange person who's who's taken Wade's place. Um, <laughs> I, it's just you know it's that season. Too much talking and well, yeah. Uh, and you did a sick thing on for Spectrum Television this morning. I did, which you you hooked me up with, so thank you for that. Did a little Oscar history over at uh, Spectrum TV. Um, so yeah, we 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 uh, we had our great uh, Oscar show with the Film Week crowd at oh, yeah. the Ace Theater on Sunday. That, that was, was a fun. good show. That was a really good show. So people would be able to listen to that what today. Would it be today or somewhere? Um, this, this, the, the, the Friday before the Oscars. Friday. So they're not going to be able to listen to it now, but they will listen to it uh, the th- on Friday the 7th. Friday the 7th. Yeah, Friday, Friday the 7th. 7th. Okay. Yep, yep. And uh, then Saturday, and then it's all, you know, it's up for podcasts at scpr.org. But uh, the, the Film Week Oscar thing, I, yeah, I don't get any sense that they're really, I mean, truly, I think there are three films that could walk away with it. And there are reasons why and why not for each of them. Mm-hmm. And, right. for, and that's Parasite, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that Parasite, uh, because of that, uh, what do they what do they call in that category now? International, yeah, uh, best international yeah. film, not foreign language anymore. Yeah, uh, because of its uh, your nomination there. Yeah, I think that undermines its. I agree. Its other nomination, yeah. which is unfortunate. Um, um, and then and then and then we start talking about you know Quentin and uh, and Martin. Yeah. And Sam. Yeah. Uh, all old school. Yeah. Including Quentin. Yeah, because people keep saying, "Oh no, young Quentin." No, Quentin's fifty-five years old. <laughs> he's been making movies for thirty years. No, Quentin is a part of the. Yeah. I mean, no, he's not the generation of Martin Scorsese. I get that, uh, but he and Sam Mendes are. You yeah, know, uh, and and I don't know, man. That old guard. Um, there's something about the Academy that, that I feel like they they want to reassert the old guard. You see them reasserting it with Sam. I I think that's so. The thing the thing that I keep pointing out is there are two sort of historic things about the Oscars this year, and I may have mentioned this on the show before, <clears throat> which is that this is the first time ever that we've had four films with ten or more nominations. Yeah, that that has never happened. The only time previous to this that we had. More than two was 1964 mm. when you had Beckett and My Fair Lady and Mary Poppins, which all came in with like you know 12 and 13 nominations. Yeah, but um, uh, otherwise, you're lucky if you get two, and in most years, there isn't even one. Yeah, and we got four films with 10 or 11 nominations Joker with 11 and three with 10. Yeah, that's never happened before. What's also significant is that none of those four are indies. Yeah. None. Yeah. The last time the top four uh, nominated films were not indies, were either all studios or studios in something. Now other than we're, indie. We're, we're we're not counting uh, Marriage Story. Not counting. Well, indie. Marriage Story is not an indie. It's it, Netflix. It's is a Netflix a, film, ne- but, it's, but we're not counting it as an indie in nope. the context of Noah. Nope. And blah nope. blah blah. No, nope. Not an indie. Not an indie because Netflix is a member Which of the is NPAA. Fair, because if the Irishman is not an indie, then, no. then there's no reason for me. No. Sorry, but you know. So I mean, he's an indie filmmaker, but it's yeah, not that's an the indie. only reason I. No. I, 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 I uh, you know, even UA in its heyday was not an indie. Yeah, it was a studio. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, the last time we had the top four films and no indies was 1995. Mm. 1995, Braveheart. Yeah, twenty twenty five years ago. Yeah, so I mean it's 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 a historic year in a lot of in a lot of ways. It, it, look, it's 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 an odd situation. So you know, we look at the Irishman, we look at Marriage Story, at least those two Netflix films. Now I look mm-hmm. at that film, The Irishman is how long? Three, uh, three and a half. Three and a half. 
um, a number of times that it, that it could play in a theater, uh, you know, theatrically over the course of reading. I look at this movie and I see this movie as making maybe thirty million dollars. It, 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 it probably does not make back its budget. No, um, it is a box office failure. The yes. Irishman, if it has to live in theaters and theaters alone. Yeah, uh, Marriage Story. I don't. I, you know, I have no sense of how, what that film costs. But again, even if it's a popular indie, I still don't. I, just, I still don't see it making more than you know twenty, twenty five, thirty million dollars. That's not. It's got to be. It's got to be a fifteen, twenty million dollar film. Sure. Right? So I still see it as a box office failure. If it had to live in theaters all by itself, these are yep. both box office failures. And 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 in that context. I don't think either one of them get nominated for Academy Awards. No, as box office now because they're on the Netflix movies. We have no sense of yeah. of, of any sort of financial this right. that, or the other thing. And maybe that's fair. Maybe that's fair that we're not talking about you know we're just talking about them qualitatively. But I do know this: um, most folks would not have seen either one of those movies mm. if they simply had to live in theaters, and they would not be nominated for Academy True. Awards. True, as opposed to Jordan Peele's Us. Yeah, uh, which 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 had to live in theaters and made 160, 170 million dollars. Yeah. Huge hit. You know, but it was in the spring. But it came out in the spring. Came out in the spring. And yeah. and I'm just like, man, this is just all akimbo to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. It's, everything's sideways. Everything is sideways. It's uh, the one th- the one positive thing that I think is going to come out of this is that for the first time in 19 years. Uh, a studio is going to win an Academy Award and it's uh, for Best Picture, and it's going to be a studio other than Warner Brothers. Ah. Uh, Universal won Best Picture for A Beautiful Mind in 2001. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's been all indies except for Warner Brothers three times. Mm-hmm. Million Dollar Baby, The Departed, mm-hmm. and Argo. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, over that 19-year period, that is... Straight up, sixteen indies and three Warner Brothers. A studio shutout for <clears throat> Warner Brothers. A, a studio shutout. Uh, Universal, if it wins for 1917, that's f- its first win in 19 years, the longest drought in its history. And if Columbia wins for Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood, mm. that is their first win of the Sony era mm. since The Last Emperor in 1987 when Coke owned them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Th- th- I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but it would make then Columbia would be the all-time Best Picture winner. It's a very odd thing to think <clears throat> that the you know uh, the, the independent studio, because we, you know when we think about independence... Uh, uh, you know, we think about the Independent Spirit Awards. We think about the other kind of, but the indep- independent films, the, your beasts of the Southern Wild, your, mm-hmm. your, uh, your, yeah, have been the movies. They have been that have been occupying the Academy Awards space for you know better 20 part of years. 20, 20 years. Better yeah. part of twenty years. Yep, for sure. Very interesting. Well, let's get to it. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about. Par- I'm going to talk about some anime here in a moment. Uh, a lot of new anime to, to make mention of, but we're going to talk about what is out right now, which is an Oscar contender for sure, Parasite, mm. Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. <clears throat> the, uh, a lot of people are picking this for Best Picture. Well, we we did. I mean, yeah, well, we, we, but the, to, the to Los win Angeles Film Critics Association. But, yeah, uh, I mean, but, it's uh, won some critics awards, National Society as well. It won ours, the Africa, LA Film Critics. Africa, yeah, yeah. But but uh, I just I you know what foreign language films like you said they face that disadvantage because yeah. if you're checking your ballot you've already voted for it for foreign language yeah so yeah. you're not gonna put it anywhere near the top for it best burns, picture man it burns yeah 
So I think it comes down to Hollywood in 1917. But Same thing can happen in the animation category, by the way. Every yeah. now and again, there'll be this an animated film, yep. uh, perfectly worthy Best Picture nominee, uh, The Incredibles. I don't know, pick one. I will, uh, but it gets that nomination in the animation category, and that and that puts it out. I'll say this: I will. I give kudos to Parasite, which won the Palm Door, by the way, mm. and was then acquired. Uh, it's being released on Blu-ray by Universal. <clears throat> through, uh, from Neon, the distributor Neon. Neon has turned into one hell. They are the new Miramax, the yeah. new Weinstein. Neon yeah. is doing a great job. There, of course, it's a, for those who don't know, when Neon kind of came on the scene two years ago, really just two, three years ago, this is the third year of Neon Films. And that first year, they had uh, I, Tanya, the Tanya Harding thing mm-hmm. with Margot Robbie, which kind of was their first big kabang. And they've doubled the number of films that they release every year now. Yeah. They are the indie to be reckoned with, for sure. Uh, it's a joint effort between the guys who used to run that Weinstein uh, subsidiary um, uh, what was it called? They did all the little genre films over at Weinstein, and I'm, I'm, I'm blanking right yeah, now on what the yeah, name yeah, of it was. Too, yeah. But they did all the little micro-budget stuff, and those guys came over and formed Neon with um, Tim League of Alamo Drafthouse. Yeah. So Neon has an Alamo Drafthouse uh, uh, in its DNA, in its pedigree, in its co-ownership. And they just spent a record $17 million Five hundred thousand dollars and sixty nine cents to acquire the Andy Samberg film at uh, at Sundance. Oh, really? It's a I, did new, not, I did not even see that. A new record. They they beat the record of um. Was it the uh, that, Birth uh, of a Nation? Birth of a Nation. Yeah, the Bur- Nat Bur- Turner film. Yeah, Nat, twenty twenty million dollars. That was that was acquired for seventeen million five hundred thousand. Yeah. And Neon for the Andy Samberg film paid seventeen million five hundred thousand and sixty nine cents. <laughs> I just had to. Uh, it's the craziest thing ever. Very right? Andy Samberg it's nuts. thing to do. Uh, yeah, it's it's it, yeah, it's a typical Andy Samberg thing. I'm sure it was his suggestion. Why don't you add sixty nine cents to? It? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. It's, it's still it's still <clears throat> still odd to me that like a an Andy Samberg film is a it's a film that's selling for ridiculous amounts of money at I know at at, at, at that particular festival. I know. Uh, I know, as opposed to, but you know. prior to this, Neon had not acquired for anything anything for more than about six million. Yeah, so that's a big step up, and that's yeah. all because of Parasite. Because of Parasite, yeah. they're 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 players now. They got money. Uh, Parasite, of course, challenging A twenty four. Oh yeah, for sure. A twenty four has been coming on strong for a few years, but uh, those who don't know, Parasite is of course the the uh, Palme d'Or winning uh, Cannes Film Festival winning Korean film by Bong Joon Ho, the Korean director who has made such things as Snowpiercer. And uh, the uh, what? What else is it? What, what other stuffs he's been uh, doing? Okja, Okja. That's yeah. right. I mean, he's been making things for quite a while, uh, and uh, he's a genre filmmaker for the most part. But here, he tells a rather lengthy, almost three-hour story of a family of uh, kind of uh, lower-class Korean grifters who insinuate themselves into the lives of a very wealthy Korean family without letting this family know that all these people they are progressively hiring are related. So they wind up hiring all these people in their lives, you know, the 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 the, the, the driver, the, 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 the tutor, the, the, the driver, tutor, yeah. the cook, not realizing this is a family. And then it takes a crazy, crazy turn midway, which I don't personally think is convincing, but most people like it. And then it takes another crazy turn at the end, which I also don't think is convincing, but everybody else likes that too. Mm. So my issue with it is kind of it's the stuff that everybody else really loves, which I think is just sort of manipulative screenplay mechanics. But it works for people, so never mind me. 
But uh, anyway, it is an incredibly well-made film. I say that. It is uh, Bong Joon-ho directs the hell out of this. Some great performances. Some great performances. Amazing. I mean, they built this house specifically to shoot this uh, this film in. The uh, the art direction is great. The uh, the production design is fantastic. Performances are great. Uh, I mean, I love everything about this movie except, you know, the screenplay a little bit. Um, but uh, here's the other thing. You know, uh, it took an Asian film... Mm. A uh, half a century to be able to win just the foreign language category. Yeah, that was Crouching Tiger and Dragon. That yeah. was the first ever Asian film to win that category. Yeah, they created a lot of French films and Italian films. They too. they created it in the fifties um, after all these Japanese new wave films were winning special awards, mm-hmm. and then no Asian Do- films won it for a half century. Yeah, so I don't know if they if if twenty years. After the first Asian film winning foreign language, we're ready to give an Asian film to be the first foreign film winning Best Picture. I mean, Judo did not win. No. I know. Judo did not win. That's insane. insane. Race to Red Lantern. Did not win. Did not win. It's incredible. It's it's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Unbelievable. Both those films nominated, neither one won. The film that beat Judo was that Swiss movie. That's not even out on Blu-ray. <laughs> it's, we've forgotten about it. It's about like a Turkish immigrant family that dies yeah. in the mountains. Yeah, I remember. Like the way Homer's over the mountain or some damn thing. Yeah. Nobody remembers it. Yeah. The only reason it won, Barry Levinson gave it a presentation credit. Yeah. That's why it won. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, so Parasite out on Blu-ray with, uh, with a Movies Anywhere code. So you can add that to the, uh, all the Disney films and, and, and freak out your kids. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, uh, we this both has got it going here a little bit. No extras other than a Q and A with Bong Joon Ho, which is fine. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wager that there will be a special edition of this, oh, yeah. especially if yeah, it wins any big awesome. awards on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's hit hit a bunch of anime real quickly here. Uh, we've got a three film collection from Shout Factory called um, Danton Laughing Under the Clouds. This is a Blu-ray and DVD con- uh, 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 combo set. It's a three-film collection with mini posters, including all the original Japanese and English dub stuff, of this trilogy uh, of films that I have never, ever heard of. And um, it's a, it's kind of a kaiju story in a way. Uh, it's about a giant snake monster thing. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, it's like a, some kind of mythical creature that, you know, is, is on, it might maybe regenerated and, and revived. And, uh, there are three different, uh, films that deal specifically with this epic, uh, story. It's, it's quite well done, but I find it very, very peculiar. The, uh, I, I guess, I guess you have to have been connected to the following of this thing. But uh, it's very, very well done. It's very, very nicely done, and especially the uh, the original Japanese is very, very strong. That's from Shot Factory. It is Danton three film collection. And then from uh, the right stuff, uh, and uh, they're con- they're licensed with Nozomi. You can get more on this from nozomient.com, nozomientertainment.com, or uh, rightstuffanime.com. Uh, this is AD Police to protect and serve. Really, kind of a cool. Uh, now, this is a this is a Blu-ray disc, but it's standard definition, so yeah. it'll play in a Blu-ray player. But you're not going to get maximum resolution because it's. I guess the original uh, materials are standard oh, definition. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, this is spun off from the uh, very very famous anime Bubblegum Crisis, Tokyo 2040, and you know it's a it's a futuristic cyberpunk uh, police thriller. It's fine. 
this is 12 episodes of the uh, spin-off series which is fine um I, I don't really you know it's not my not my thing but um you know it's got uh, it's got criminal robots and uh hardcore kind of you know cyberpunky cops and uh, it's cool i could i could see this being a better live action thing though i could see it be a much better live action thing also, I have something that's a little more uh, kind of uh, young adult oriented, uh, slightly funnier, is the magnificent Kotobuki. Um, this is from Sente and Section 23. Um, it's, uh, it's Girl Power, 12 episodes on two discs, a, a series that deals with um, uh, kind of a, well, how to put it? They're, they're, they're like. This is like World War II era uh, pilot girls who are kind of like air pirates. Does that make sense? Mm. Anyway, you know they—I mean, they're they're pilot girls and they're they're badass and they're they're cool and it's all you know uh, World War II era um, squadrons and gun and uh, uh, dogfights and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, it's it. You're mostly watching this specifically for the girls, for girl power and girls flying planes, and uh, you know they're. To be honest, frankly, the only people who are probably going to want to watch them, especially the uh, the ones who are a little bit more clad, risque, are guys. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of girl power, but yeah, I can see some dirty old Japanese man really <laughs> kind of getting getting the hang of that. Yeah, girl power uh, in a completely different uh, um, context. Then we've <clears throat> we've also got boy I hope my voice lasts the rest of the show from Adult Swim got some anime from Adult Swim believe it or not two series collection on Blu-ray of FLCL Progressive and Alternative Combo Pack um, this is um, uh, uh, it, it's you know nothing on Adult Swim has ever really made a whole lot of sense to me but uh, <clears throat> this is two seasons of FLCL. And it has Japanese and English audio uh, included. And it's, uh, you know, it's more Japanese kind of teen stuff. It's got a lot of extras on here. And there's a uh, documentary that gets into making of the show and all of that. But uh, basically, it's a story of a couple of 14-year-olds and, um, and their unusual uh, adventures um, on their Vespa. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's youth stuff. And uh, you, you're aging them here from 14 to 17. I don't quite understand the appeal of it, uh, but it's, you know, it's road trip stuff. I mean, there it is. Japanese anime road trip. Um, let me get down here to some other sente and some other stuff. Um, three other sente titles here I want to make quick mention of. Uh, one is uh, Tsurune, the complete collection, T-S-U-R-U-N-E. It's beautifully done, very, very sweet, very pastoral. Uh, this is uh, all about archery, and it's very zen, and it's very symbolic, and it, uh, it's, it's sort of a, a hero's journey centered around uh, the, the archery as a metaphor for life and mastering life, and it's, it's, it's lovely. It's very, very poetic. It has some very, very good en- uh, extras on it. And then we have <clears throat> the, uh, the Girl in Twilight complete collection, which is uh, kind of you know more girl action stuff. It's it. This feels a little bit dated. I don't know exactly how old this is, but it certainly feels uh, significantly older than I thought it would be. And uh, you know, there's a there's a million of these things like this, and it gets very very uh, fantasy. 
oriented moving through alternate realities and whatnot much cooler is also very kind of cyberpunk themed the prince of smiles complete collection this is about uh, a big mecha war and these uh, these two orphans that find themselves immersed in it and the the drama that uh, that transpires thereof. Um, really, really very, very cool artwork. Uh, super cool kind of world that they create for these particular mecha battles. Uh, it doesn't necessarily distinguish itself from, from anything else in the mecha universe, but uh, it's cool. It definitely plugs in very nicely. And the... Uh, the character design is really cool. And then <clears throat> from uh, Funimation, a whole bunch of cool new stuff from Funimation. Get through some of this real quickly. There is the Zombieland Saga Season 1, which is just a straight-up, you know, kind of freaking rock and roll zombie uh, saga. And that comes with holographic cards and magnets and, and a booklet and the whole thing. It's the Zombieland Saga. It's very, very cool. Uh, if you like anime zombie stuff. Uh, there is also Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka, the complete series. Uh, this is a uh, mythical uh, mythical kind of uh, semi-fantasy environment uh, about a girl who is basically an elite uh, soldier who can, you know, who has all kinds of uh, powers and obviously uh, things from her past that will come back and haunt her. It's, it's pretty decent. The uh, Morose Mononokian is season two. Uh, will make absolutely no sense if you haven't seen season one. This is a uh, uh, all about exorcism and uh, high school. I hate it when that happens when you're in high school. And, you know, the, some some the the evils of the underworld come out and, and haunt you. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen season one, don't bother with that one. Complete series of S S S S Gridman which is the one of the weirdest titles ever. This is a really, really fancy box set. You got a keychain and you got cards and an art book, 150 page uh, art book and and you know all kinds of really, really fun extras in this. Um, the uh, Gridman is a is a rather fascinating hero. This is a mecha story. Gridman is like a better version of all the giant robots that you've ever seen, but not quite as cool as. Uh, as uh, mm. uh, uh, what's his name? The uh, oh gosh, the live action. This guy. Oh, uh, Ultraman. Ultraman. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. This guy. I just did that thing with my hands. <laughs> well, and I know what it Tim is. Tim knew exactly what it was. <laughs> That's just. Uh, this is my voice, man. My voice is just <laughs> killing me this week. Oh. Uh, Gridman is basically Ultraman. You know, like a better, better, cooler, better version of Ultraman. Uh, you also have the uh, Steel Book of season three of Yu Yu Hakusho, which is uh, very, very popular. The Steel Book is very, very cool and uh, has a, a really great commentary on one of the songs, but it's on one of the uh, episodes. Um, what else do we have from Funimation here? We've got uh, Hinamaru Sumo Part 1, which is uh, not interesting to anybody unless they're into high school sumo. Um, Endro, the complete series, is um, uh, a kind of Harry Potter-ish in a way. Um, no, it didn't. It's not quite that interesting. Uh, gave <laughs> up on that. Black Clover season two, part two, continues the Black Clover uh, saga, which is not again not going to make any sense if you're if you're just picking this thing up mid midstream. Same thing with Dragon Ball Super part ten. If you haven't caught up on one through ten, this will make no sense to you whatsoever. Um, this is the first I've seen of Boogie Pop and Others, the complete series. Not familiar with this one. No. Um, really interesting. It's uh, it's kind of like a like a genre noir. It's very very cool. Um, 
a lot of mystery. Uh, Boogie Pop is this uh, is this kind of like a boogeyman who causes makes people disappear, snatches them in the night, and um, it's a question of you know what's really happening and who's happening. It gets very Sam Spade. It's very very cool. I actually, thought that was uh, that was really slick. Boogie Pop and others, the complete series. And then lastly, uh, season three, part two of A Certain Magical Index, which is just hugely popular, and I believe they will undoubtedly do a live-action version of this. This one picks up with uh, World War III in full roar, and man, do they animate the hell out of it. Uh, Academy City is, 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 even, is even impacted. And uh, the uh, it, it it you know this is a this is a kind of a world where uh, magic is beginning to intrude on science. And in any case, World War Three is animated with with gusto. And uh, this even has a really really cool commentary on one of the episodes as well. So that is it for our anime this week. Uh, Tim, what else do we have? Shall we do some new movies? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, including this one, which I'm really, really happy to talk about, Waves. This Yay. is one of the films that I was just so, so happy to have yeah. been able to talk about the cor- over the course of the um, of the awards season. Yeah. Uh, aside from the fact this is a very good movie about it's a family drama, this 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 family uh, with uh, two teenage kids, uh, one boy, one girl. The boy is a football star. And everything looks fantastic for him. It looks like life is about to happen for him. He's uh, vying for a position in a uh, college uh, football team. The, he, he has his girlfriend. And, uh, and, and events happen uh, such as they do. Uh, the way this movie is divided is such that the first half of the movie is about him and his yeah. life. Uh, an event happens, and the second half of the movie is about the sister. And what? Let, let's talk about the two actors. Oh, my God. The actors... Calvin Harris uh, Jr. Yep. Young man who's also in Loose, this yes. also the star of Loose, another which is a totally film, totally different role, totally different role, another totally outstanding role. film. That one with uh, Octavia Spencer, him yeah. playing the character, lead character again, yeah. Loose, this young actor, and Taylor Russell, uh, who oh, you Taylor and I both Russell. love from Lost in Space. Have you been watching the new season of Lost in Space? I have not started yet. You told me about it the other, the other, Dude, the other. I'm I'm six episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really good. I don't know if it's as good as the first season, but I'm okay with it because it's answering a lot of questions. Yeah, like especially about and her. The, 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 we, <clears throat> I, I, have we talked about Lost in Space before? I suppose we have. Yeah, we, when the first season came out, uh, yeah. and it's a it's a really great it's, interpretation. It's of that series, the I, Family I, Robinson's uh, series. What What's really cool about this is that they they make a point in season two. I'll just tell you this: they make a point in season two that they are going to really, really deeply explore mm. three characters mm-hmm. whom they probably fe- felt did not get sufficient treatment in the first season. You get really, really deep into Judy and Penny. Mm-hmm. Really the deep. The sisters. The sisters. Uh, you know, I mean, Penny Penny gets some, is like suddenly front and center and all kinds of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. collision, clashing with mom and, you know, you love all the other kids and they all have talents. And that, I mean, it's really great what they do with Penny. Um, uh, Judy's relationship with her dad, I, uh, dude, it, it's, it's, it's which I was a big, qu- big a question big mark in the first in, one. In the first one, because her dad is her stepdad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and 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 I did see the trailer for this second yeah. series, and the issue of her oh. original father, yeah, original father, biological father, biological father, yeah, uh, comes up. Oh yeah, dude, uh, and and uh, yeah, you know, because you know, I love my father daughter stuff. Episodes five and six, that's where it goes <laughs> deep. It goes so deep, and it is so good. 
gosh, Taylor Russell is good. I mean, she's, she's so... And that's what we're talking about, we're ta- And that's why we're she's doing in, this. She's, she's, she's the sister ways. in this. And oh, she's my extraordinary gosh. in this film. She's incredible. I noticed that the African-American Film Critics uh, Association gave her the their We See You Award, yeah. which is a really cool name for yeah. award. I imagine um, uh, they're going to see her over at the Independent Spirit Awards, too. Yep. Uh, yeah, you know, she came very close with some of the things that, you know, that we did over at Lafka. So, yeah, great film, great mm-hmm. performances by those two... Uh, a particular actor, Trey Edward Schultz, by the way, directing this movie, um, which is you know noted because Trey Edward was a very good little, a very good director. He also knocked out It Comes at Night a couple of years ago yeah. in Krishna. So you know, yeah, good movie there. Um, let's see, uh, director's commentary, the creating of the movie, Q and A with the director, some deleted scenes. Yeah, nice little package. Good stuff there. Black and blue. Uh, you know, this is this is an interesting thing. So, Black and Blue, Naomi Harris film with, with Tyrese and this Gilles. was and this was for a moment. People thought this might be in the awards mix. You know, I think it came out too early, but it, I also don't think it's quite there. It's not quite there. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting thing. Now, look, I, I, I hate to put people in a box, but I'm going to put Dion a little bit of a box right yeah. right now, just for a second. So, Dion, so Dion Taylor, director of this film, Dion Taylor is an African American director. Yeah. Now, you think about African American directors, you talk about uh, prolific African American directors. Most people think about Spike Lee. Likely, you most probably most sure. prolific. No, sure. it's Dion Taylor. <laughs> Dion Taylor is the most prolific African American filmmaker, and frankly, just sort of like filmmaker working in Hollywood today. This dude knocks out movies by the dozen. They're not always very good movies, but he <laughs> knocks them out by the batch. And I gotta respect that because he, you know, there's sort of there's sort of ish movie. Dion Harris, Tyrese Gibson yeah. in this movie. Dion has, let's see, he has. Three films in post-production right now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, another one in pre-production. In 2019, he put out this film, another film called The Intruder, which was a pretty decent little film with Megan Good. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you go back to 2016, he put out two films in 2016. These are all feature films, people. This dude is making movies while he's making movies. My goodness. They're all perfectly serviceable films. He's not making Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> They're all perfectly serviceable genre films. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, working at the highest echelons, no. But making perfectly decent, watchable films with interesting talent. Get on you. Dion, you know, get at it, son. Get at it. Um, uh, all kinds of special features on this. This was an okay movie except for one thing. Mm. It's not a believable moment in it. <laughs> Good acting, great, but not a believable moment. In it. There, there are there are about a thousand things this sister can do to get herself out of this mess. She's being chased down by these crooked cops and these gangsters because uh, she saw a murder, uh, and uh, in New Orleans. And I just keep thinking to myself, sis, steal a car and drive to Georgia. Uh, but you know, whatever, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. That's okay. Uh, Mob Town, another decent little movie uh, here. Uh, that I rather enjoy, Danny uh, David Arquette uh, bumping around uh, this movie. Uh, it's you know it's a it's a it's a fifties sort of crime thriller mafia gang members doing all kinds yeah. of stuff. It's a, you know, it's a decent movie. David Arquette is interesting guy to me. He's he's becoming a fairly decent actor again. Yeah, you know because you know for years David yeah. just sort of like goofed his way around movies. Yeah. All those scream movies and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And and there was a moment when you thought, hey, David Arquette maybe you know an actor from the Arquette family, but no. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know what? He's decided that he wants to become a decent actor again. This is inspired by true stories. Also, a couple of special features on it, including uh, a director's commentary. I, I think that a lot of folks thought we might be talking about this movie during this awards season. It didn't quite live up to the hype. Edward Norton's Motherless Brooklyn. 
Um, you know, Edward Norton, Bruce Willis, uh, Guga, Mbatha Raw, Alec Baldwin, Willem Dafoe. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, the, the, the movie was an interesting movie to watch. I know that uh, it is loosely related uh, to Edward Norton's own grandfather, who during the period uh, that guys like Robert Moses were building New York yeah. and running and designing that city was involved uh, in all of that. Alec uh, Baldwin in this movie kind of playing a Robert Moses sort of figure. So, you know, but in the character that Edward is playing, is, is loosely based on his own grandfather, uh, a, a fellow with Tourette's right. who was engaged in all of these sort of battles for what New York would ultimately uh, come to be shaped like and look like. It's a very interesting story, but no, did not catch the uh, the interest of the Academy. And, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it just didn't catch on. I don't know why that is. Yeah, uh, The Addams Family. A couple of movies like that. That Richard Jewell movie, Clint's movie, just did not catch the interest of the Academy the way some might thought it would be. The animated version of The Addams Family. Look, this is a, an origin story for The Addams Family. Uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, conceived and then executed in this fairly ordinary 3D, 3D animation. Bored the crap out of me. Uh, <laughs> but but and, and and you know you can come up with a better origin story for the Adams family, particularly if you're going to do it in animation. Do we need an origin story for the Adams family? No. Like like I was thinking of this, <clears throat> you know, when when the Adams family and this bit of trivia, the Adams family and the Munsters mm-hmm. as half hour comedies in the sixties, the they actually began. They began the same week. Their first episodes aired the same week, and their last episodes aired the same week, like two years later. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, I mean, literally, exactly. It's like that trend ran aground with those two shows. Yeah. And I was thinking, okay, what if they had a Munster's origin story? Do I want to see how Herman and Lily met? <laughs> Do I want to see Herman getting down on his knees and asking Grandpa for Lily's hand? Well, only if he gets down on his knees and he breaks something, like yeah, goes yeah, to the yeah. floor. Otherwise, I don't really care. No, it doesn't. I don't need that. It's just a bunch of goofy sits somebody made. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, which, you know, it's already made up. Uh, deleted scenes, extended scenes, uh, blah, 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 blah. That's the Adams Family animated feature there. Uh, Trauma Center. You know, Bruce Willis... Um, yeah, that's all you need to say. I don't even know what to say. That's all you need to say. About what he has done to his career. Uh, um, I guess he's still making a pretty penny making these movies, but but it really has mm-hmm. just sort of reduced yeah, itself down to it one, one of these after another. One it's, after it's, another it's after one after another. another whatever, whatever you... If, I mean, look, he is still making millions on yeah. each of these. Yeah. It's a payday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd love I to see the guy get an Oscar one day, but not at this rate. You know, I'd love to see him just be in a real movie again. I mean, just look, I a minute, he, yeah. he showed up in that M. Night movie, the, yeah. you know, the, the third incarnation yeah. of the thing. Uh, but, Glass. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, yeah, Bruce, just, you know, be in a real movie. Don't pay a million dollars. Sprinter from uh, executive producers Jada and Will Smith. This is an interesting movie about a young man who's a yeah. Jamaican sprinter. He has a mother. His mother has been living in the United States for a decade, supporting the family by sending money home uh, uh, to Jamaica. Uh, and it looks like he's going to be the next big sort of Jamaican sprinting star. He has his father who's a drunk and sort yeah. of working. He has his brother who's going to try to latch himself on. And it was one of those sort of yeah. dramas. Usain Bolt uh, shows up in this. Oh, fantastic. Uh, best performance, though, <clears throat> David Allen Greer yeah. uh, playing the coach of the team. Just a really, really, really. You know, this is a, this is a very affecting and moving little movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I wish it would have been spread around a little bit more. But, you know, catch it if you can. Uh, from executive producers uh, Jada and Will Smith, uh, Sprinter, uh, Rabbit. Uh, oh, the Saskia sisters. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loosely based on a Cronenberg. Yeah. The Saskia sisters are kind of like the the new horror thing that everybody wants to believe are going to be a thing. Yeah, but I don't think they're a thing. No, Bloom I House just, without the Bloom. Yeah, I I I mean it's I. Here's the thing: if the Saskia sisters were the Saskia brothers making these exact same movies, yeah. nobody, nobody would care. Would be aware of them, yeah. But everybody's like, ooh, and they, and a lot of people would be offended. Yeah, uh, like, ooh, it's a couple of sisters, and they make really they make really gory films. Yeah. Why is everyone fascinated when women filmmakers? Like make movie make the same kinds of horrible bad movies that men make. Yeah, yeah, so, I don't understand. No, it's still a bad movie. Uh, this one is about this <clears throat> woman. She wants to be a, she wants to be a clothing designer. You know, a demure mm. sort of ordinary character it, involved in some sort of a horrible accident, mutilates her face. She takes some sort of treatment that fixes her face, makes her really pretty, but has other consequences. Oh, there you go. Uh, and Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Um, look, these were this. Uh, yeah, yeah. For those of you who think you've been watching a whole lot of these Jay and Silent Bob movies, they pop up in these little animated Every, shorts all over the place. Uh, but you know, um, look, Kev, 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 stop baby, it, cut it out, just cut it out. All right. Uh, anyway, um, somehow they talked uh, Melissa Benoist, you know, Supergirl, yeah, and Ben Affleck and everybody who have they, they know from their got a lot of favors to walk through this movie. And, you know, all right. Oh, dear. I guess it's cool that you're holding it down for the homies, but no. <laughs> so we got some, uh, got some 4Ks and some other new movies this week. Uh, and we got giveaways. So I'm going to merge. I'm going to go through from the 4Ks, which includes a lot of new stuff. And I'm going to kind of migrate from that. One of, those, one of these is a giveaway. Migrate into some other giveaways, including a new movie. <clears throat> First off is uh, the 4K of Zombieland Double Tap. Uh, it's been... Gosh, what a decade! Since yeah. It was 2008 or something since the original Zombieland, Which and is so ridiculous. Here we go. It's a decade later, and we've got you know. Which, and I like that movie, by the way. You know, here's the thing. Didn't need this one. You don't need Zombieland Double Tap, but it's not terrible. No. It's just kind of the same drill. It's sort of like the Road Warrior of the Zombieland movies. Mm -hmm. uh, the gang's still together, but, you know, having some... They've been around for a long time killing zombies, all the different kinds of zombies that they've got to kill, like the slow ones and the fast ones and the sneaky ones and whatnot. And um, we're, we're in Washington, D.C. now, right? We're, we're breaking into the White House and <laughs> hanging out in the White House to get away from zombies and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, it, it's cute. Everybody's doing their shtick. They're doing the same thing. I will watch Emma Stone do absolutely anything. Sure. Okay. I I will. Uh, I I would rather not see Jesse Eisenberg do anything. So it's a, <laughs> it, they cancel each other out for me. Um, uh, Abigail Breslin's all grown up, and you know her desire to be free and grown up is kind of the storyline here. She runs away and hooks up with some kind of weird, kind of hippie dude, and then there's like a a uh, a, a sanctuary place where you're not allowed to bring any guns in because they're trying to sort of be peaceful and they think that they can live in peace and harmony with the zombie world or yeah. whatever. Because that know, always works that out. That doesn't work out. But uh, so, so I mean, there's some fun shtick here, but it's pretty much the same shtick. Some great cameos, too. Rosario Dawson has a terrific cameo in here. But I'll tell you who makes this. Zoe Deutsch. <clears throat> Zoe Deutsch is hilarious. <laughs> Hysterical in this thing. She's a girl who has survived the zombie apocalypse and who kind of becomes the other woman now that Jesse Eisenberg and Emma Stone are on a break. Mm -hmm. She wears like these foofy pink outfits and she's got her pink luggage. And Woody can't stand her. She's a complete <laughs> ditz, total dumb blonde stereotype, but she's hilarious. Good. She plays it just, she plays it up so beautifully. 
Uh, it, it's just, it's outrageous how funny she is. Uh, Zoe Deutsch, just so, so fun and funny in this thing. So, uh, Zombie Lab Double Tap, yeah, it's fine. Does it need to be on 4K? No. Does it even need to exist at all? No, but it's not terrible. <laughs> but it, won't, it won't hurt you. Doctor Sleep, uh, oh, the sequel man, to The Shining. Man, man. 4K. Yeah. Includes the director's cut. Yeah. Which still isn't any good. Yeah. yeah Why'd so, they do this? No. Bad idea. Bad That's idea. That's a bad idea. You know. I don't get it. Sometimes Stephen King makes mistakes with yeah. the uh, cinematization of his properties. You know, the book was, you know, probably unnecessary as well. I mean, a grown-up Danny? Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who and they cares? Do, and they do it's like we're talking about, like, origin story of the Adams family. Yeah, this is equally unnecessary. That. Yeah, you know, this sort of post, what happened 30 years later? Yeah. So it's 30 years later. I don't care. And, uh, you know, yeah, all kinds it, of weird it stuff. It doesn't really on. work. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there are extras here, uh, in, insignificant by and large for the whole thing. Uh, you, you know, you get a digital code, and uh, it's 4K. I, I guess if, you know, you're... You want to see Ewan McGregor kind of chew it up a little bit, but it, it's totally unnecessary. Uh, and then also on 4K is uh, Boys in the Hood, uh, wow. John Singleton's uh, first film, and uh, still, I think in many respects, his, his best film. Absolutely. Um, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful 4K. They did a great job, it, you know, holding it down, giving the, it, I mean, when this was made, you know, it was all shot in film, and, yeah. and it preserves that great film look. And um, some wonderful performances here. Cuba is just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, when Cuba that 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 breaking down scene of him crying, yeah, yeah, yeah. still some of the best acting he has ever done on yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, Boys in the Hood, real good film. The movie, really good the movie. movie. The movie, the movie that gave us Lawrence Fishburne. That's Lawrence opposed, Fishburne, as opposed to Larry Fishburne. And that's, still, that's the one where he changed his name. Still one of the best things that Morris Chestnut's ever done, I think, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, just a a, a a terrific, terrific movie, and um, it, it made. John Singleton, the youngest ever nominee for Best Director yep. at the time, and uh, it, it deservedly so. Um, you know, he has he has left us tragically last year, uh, passed uh, prematurely. But this film will be his legacy, and uh, and deservedly so. Really, really uh, a seminal film. Also includes a uh, Movies Anywhere code. Lots of extras on the uh, Blu-ray commentary with John Singleton that was recorded, obviously, for the original DVD release. Uh, and uh, a lot of deleted scenes and, you know, interviews, audition videos of Ice Cube and Angela Bassett and, and, uh, and, and more. And then on the 4K disc, there is also a John Singleton tribute that is really, really moving and uh, the original press conference and uh, a few other things. It's, uh, it's, it's a good 4K. It's worth checking out. Yeah. And then also in 4K... It, we have uh, we're gonna give away one of these, so email us at gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com and put Arnold in the subject line and your name and address in the body of the email. Make sure that we get this uh, by the fifteenth. Uh, this is all gonna be February fifteenth, February fifteenth, and we will um, uh, we'll give you a good long time to uh, to to get us emails, and then we'll uh, we'll pick a winner for. The 4K Ultra HD of Terminator Dark Fate. Now, I have to get into what I think of the movie. Mm. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate, not terrible. Mm. But as we've been saying a lot this this afternoon, not necessary. No. Didn't need this. No. I didn't need to see every, the, the, see them get the band back together. Yeah, for... yeah all, everybody's long in the tooth and looking. <laughs> It and just, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't know why. Why do you want to leave me with this particular bad taste in my mouth about this? They, they. I don't think you can squeeze any more out of the Terminator saga. No. 
uh, between the Sarah Chronicle, Connor Chronicles on television, television yeah. and all Genesis the movies already, which we received <coughs> the entire thing from the yeah. ground up. There, it, 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 there's only so much you can do with this. So, uh, you know, a couple of a couple of twists in this that you might not expect, but otherwise, it's really trying to sort of redo Terminator Two with a bit of a feminist twist. Uh, Tim Miller, who did Deadpool, a uh, good director. I just don't think he's got a great script here. I just don't see the point. Looks great. Tons of featurettes. Bonus content galore. I just don't see the point. But yeah. we're giving one away. So send us one that says Arnold. Arnold and subject line by the 15th. Uh, on Also, we're going to give away one of this. This is a Blu-ray, DVD, and digital code combo set of Harriet, starring the Oscar-nominated Cynthia Erivo. Uh, story yeah. of Harriet Tubman. Uh, the 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 film itself, I think she is really good in it. I think the film is pretty good. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled to see Casey Lemons get a get a good directing shot again. Mm. I think she's deserved it for a long time. But I don't think they had enough money to make this movie. Yeah, I don't think I just I I feel like another fifteen twenty million dollars. You make the movie that that you really want to make. You know, I have a number of issues with the film, including that. Um, yeah, um, and. Uh, has things to do with the nature of the way the story of, of the story they chose to toll to yeah, tell yeah and, and and how they laid it out they it's made like it black, small yeah you know it's, it's they made it small and personal yeah you know. and I would have preferred something bigger and more epic yeah yeah but so, you know. anyway uh, send us an email with Harriet in the subject line name and address in the body of the email by the fifteenth and we will pick a lucky winner to get a Blu-ray DVD combo set of Harriet, starring the lovely Oscar-nominated Cynthia Erivo, who will not win, of course, on Sunday, yeah. but uh, she will She will definitely be back again. Uh, she's a terrific British actress, and yeah. uh, she will be back. Uh, we got three other giveaways this week of things that we have already covered in previous weeks, uh, so here they go. We're get, And this is all by the 15th. Get us emails by the 15th. Uh, name and address in the body of the email, and then subject lines as I dictate. We're giving away three Blu-ray, DVD, and digital code combo sets of Downton Abbey, the motion picture. Uh, just put um, Abbey, A-B-B-E-Y, in the, uh, the subject line, and you will be one of the three lucky winners if we choose you of Downton Abbey, the motion picture. We are also giving away two copies of Will Smith in Gemini Man 4K Ultra HD, uh, the uh, the super high-tech Ang Lee-directed Gemini Man with Will Smith on 4K. Just put Smith, S-M-I-T-H, in the subject line, and we will pick by the 15th two very, very lucky winners of Gemini Man. And then lastly, I am very happy to announce we are going to be giving away two copies of the Beverly Hills Cop three-movie collection, newly remastered mm. on Blu-ray, to anyone who sends us an email by the 15th with Eddie in the subject now line. Now, that's a lucky... That will be so lucky. cool. Uh, Eddie should have been nominated this year, uh, but he wasn't, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay, because Dolomite will live uh, a lot longer than a lot of the stuff that was nominated. Yeah. So, uh, bravo, Eddie. Uh, we're going to give away two copies of those. And that's it. Uh, let's let's jump into some other stuff. Uh, should we do TV or are you going to knock off the rest of those movies? Uh, yeah, let's do some TV. Let's do a little bit Mix of it up. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? We got a couple of different sets of ballers. We have the complete series. 
Uh, and then we have the complete fifth season. So we have the complete uh, fifth season of Ballers, but we also have the complete series uh, of Ballers here. All kinds of neat stuff so, so far as um, uh, special features are concerned on both. Um, look, uh, if you're into the series uh, about the NFL, uh, former NFL player turned uh, agent yep. and all of the wacky Mac. I don't know where that guy finds time to do anything. Dude, I, I cannot remember a time when a guy could have a major motion picture career. Yeah, uh, and still uh, do a see. It's an HBO series, right, yeah. That, you know, but nevertheless, still do, they'll still have a sort of uh, series. So it's just it's amazing. It's unreal. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, um, uh, but anyway, this is this is here for you. Those the complete series plus the complete fifth season. Uh, this wonderful um, particular episode of the David Susskind uh, series from the from the David Susskind archives. This is the interview he did with uh, Russian premier Nikita Khrushchev. Crazy. Uh, absolutely fascinating stuff. October of 1960, uh, of course, uh, of course, Eisenhower was president. Uh, Kennedy, uh, the election that would bring us Kennedy was, was, was coming up. Uh, the Cold War was just you know, raging, as it were. Uh, and uh, the, the premier of, of the Soviet Union, the, uh, the f first one ever, comes to the United States of America to visit. Uh, and and, and, con and uh, consents to do an interview with David Susskind. They sat down for two hours on uh, Sunday, October the 9th, uh, in New York City, uh, and through a, an, in, an interpreter, had a long and raucous conversation. Uh, I, I've taught that, I, 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 I've taught this, this in various different journalism classes over the years, so I've seen this entire interview many, many times. And I, and I asked myself, in what context could something like this happen today with, you know, Putin? Or, yeah. frankly, a whole bunch you of different... Wouldn't, wouldn't, happen wouldn't happen today. Wouldn't happen today. No. Putin would never visit the United States today under yeah. any circumstance no. whatsoever. So it's a fascinating, fascinating sort of archive of events that are not even thinkable today. Uh, uh, J. Echo Hoover was so upset about it that he actually had David Susskind um, investigated. Of course, J. Echo had pretty much yeah. everybody investigated, so uh, what the heck. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh, uh, yeah. I loved hanging with I'd forgotten Cooper. about this show. It was just such a neat show. Mark Curry, of course. Holly Robinson, Pete, uh, in this series from, uh, I think, about 1992, if I'm not mistaken, uh, created by Jeff Franklin. Uh, it's just about a high school basketball co coach and teacher. Uh, it's, it's, it's one in a long lineage of high school set um, uh, 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 television series uh, Saved by the Bell. I can, you can go all the way back to uh, Room 222. Uh, oh, one of the creators of which, as we, as we record this, uh, Gene Reynolds passed away uh, uh, this week, if I'm not mistaken. Also oh, a creator of that's Nash. That's right, of that's right. One of the creators I saw that he was like 96 or something. Yeah, yeah, 90, 90, 90 plus years old. And all these people who die now, Tim, are you realize, you realize they are all in their 90s? All in their, but you know what? That, Held it down for a long time. They did, but that means that when, when we kick it, probably yeah. going to be about 115. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah. You know? I'm yeah. Not, which means my mother will be like 135 <laughs> uh, years old. But you know, thoroughly love this series from the, from the early 90s, Hanging with Mr. Cooper with Mark Curry. I wish they had put some special features on that disc. Uh, that would have been kind of neat. Um, let's see. What do we have here? Uh, the complete fifth season of a, a series called You. You know, this was an interesting series. It, at the end of the day, it's still just a stalker series. You know, it was about this guy 
uh, uh, who's following this young woman around the city. Um, uh, and uh, as he sort of records uh, in his diary his uh, ideas about their relationship and his obsession, obsession with a relationship that doesn't actually exist. So they call it a romantic thriller, but I found it pretty damn creepy, frankly. Uh, anyway, this is the complete series. Uh, I'm sorry, the complete first season of the series, You. Very cool. Uh, let's see here. Roswell, uh, New Mexico, oh, reboot dear. of the Roswell yeah. series. Yeah. Uh, would clear. Yeah, look, um, this, this, but for the fact that this reboot happens to star uh, a, a young Latin woman, a young, young Latinx woman, in that uh, Cher Appleby role from, yep. from, from many years ago. But for that, um, this, again, doesn't really actually need to exist. Now I'm going to go ahead and say fine because you know let's do let's do that let's get the ethnic thing going. Yep. That's not, so I'm not going to I'm not going to complain about it. But uh, that, but other than that and the fact that they have better special effects because you know it's been 15 years uh, uh, since they did that. This doesn't actually need to exist. But nevertheless, this is the first complete season of Roswell, uh, New Mexico. Um, you know I don't know based uh, based on a, a series uh, of books, but I, I just it doesn't doesn't need to exist. But there it is. Duck Dodgers, uh, the complete third oh. season. You gotta love this. Porky love it. Pig, uh, two hilarity and beyond. You gotta yeah. love this series. I, is I do Hero love it. into this? I, you know, we have not introduced her to Looney Tunes yet. Uh, I, I, I've got to do it. Be careful soon. when you introduce children to Looney Tunes. They start hitting and smacking stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we took her to see Cirque du Soleil for her birthday, and she just loved the slapstick bits. And so I, I think I'm going to introduce her to Chaplin first, mm-hmm. uh, then Buster Keaton, yes, uh, then the Looney Tunes stuff. I'm going to kind of ease so my way. That way she can see how yeah. these things actually yeah. are derived. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. actually makes a whole lot of sense. I'm going to hold on to those two for a second and talk about just you know, one of my favorite things oh, on yeah. the planet. Uh, which would be anything to do with Doctor Who. Yay. Uh, I, I just actually, uh, I, I just can't help myself. So anyway, this is fantastic. The uh, Doctor Who, uh, the William Hartnell years, 1963, 1966. That's going deep. Uh, the, original, the original Doctor, of course. Uh, following him, Patrick Troughton, 1966, mm. 1969. Gotta love that. Then we have our uh, Colin Baker years. 1940, uh, 1984 to 1986, and uh, additional Colin Baker years, um, including 1984 to 1986. Are due to this, these are just a fantastic. That's the two Doctor series. Yeah, this is just uh, all fantastic. Um, uh, most of them have to do with the invasion of the Daleks in the very select series here. All of them are packed with DVD extras, including uh, audio commentaries. Uh, from various different folks associated with all of these different series over the course of the years. My favorite doctor, of course, would be uh, Tom Baker in the Tom Baker years, although I am partial to some of the more recent doctors, including yeah. including Peter Capaldi, which finished up a season yeah. a couple of seasons ago, and our new doctor, the first female doctor uh, who's out there. But these they, are they've our never really classic go- doctors. They've never really gone wrong. They keep finding interesting ways of keeping that show fresh. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of amazing to me. I, I love my Doctor Who. Uh, the Mindy Project complete series. Yeah, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this series. I think this was one of the original original Hulu series, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I think you're right. Uh, and it it really 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 uh was very very funny and sharp. Mindy Kaling, of course, from TV's The Office, a wonderful comedian. 
Uh, bonus features include deleting scene, deleted scenes and a number of gag groups. Yes. Why don't you knock off a few of those, Why? I will. Got three DVDs here. Uh, the first one is uh, quite interesting. Now, this is a... Um, <clears throat> this is a documentary. This is our lone doc this week. This is uh, called Betty Davis. Uh, they say I'm different. Now, this is not Betty Davis, the actress Betty Davis. This is which is B E T T E. This is uh, Betty B E T T Y, who's like one of the funk pioneers of the 1970s. Was once married to Miles Davis. That's it. She was married to Miles Davis. She wrote songs for the Commodores, among others. And uh, really kind of an amazing figure in the 1970s. She, she was one of the first major punk, uh, not punk, funk, sorry. Man, yeah. My voice <laughs> is killing me. First major funk artist in the 1970s, really kind of uh, set the table for people like Rick James. Mm-hmm. She established a certain kind of performance art that predates Grace Jones, yeah. that predates uh, Madonna. I mean, she really was an incredible pioneer in so many ways. And uh, at one point, she even just kind of cut loose all the handlers and handled her own career. She was her own manager, her own agent, everything. Yeah, fantastic. Big, gigantic fro. Absolutely gorgeous. Amazing lady. uh, Really an amazing lady. like part Sly Stone. She wrote for Sly Stone, too. Yeah, you know, just just, just this big, yeah, fantastic. So, I mean, she, uh, you know, she has has somewhat vanished from the history books. And this uh, puts her right back front and center where she belongs. Really a fascinating figure essential to sort of understanding what connects the music of the 70s to the music of the 80s especially uh, in the in the land, in the world of funk which yeah. you know frankly funk didn't go mainstream until the 80s yeah exactly uh, so uh, really a, a terrific uh, terrific documentary we also have a mock documentary that ain't so terrific oh my god Mr America uh, look, I wanted to smack him. Of uh, course, he kind of wants you to want to smack him yeah look Tim and Eric those guys yeah. the Tim and Eric team I am not a fan. Uh, but they, their, 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 their first film that they did together, I, I just wanted to scream. I, I'd, I'd like to burn the negative. It was just an awful experience. I find them unbelievably unfunny. So they take another crack at it with uh, Mr. America, which they wrote together, and it stars Tim Heidecker as mm. himself mm. running for district attorney of San Bernardino. Yeah. Huh? After 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 being acquitted huh? of a of, of murder of 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 of, 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 of and, and it's all it's all it's, it's just, just ludicrous. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it just isn't funny to me. But you yeah, know because what? Because it's not funny. I, the, yet somehow these guys have a following. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. I just don't get it. And then we've also got uh, Mrs. Lowry and Son on DVD. Uh, with Vanessa Redgrave and Timothy Spall, why this was not a more significant film, I do not know. I do not understand. Uh, this this should have been a big deal. These are two of the great actors of British actors of all time, Timothy Spall and Vanessa Redgrave. Uh, it is based on the true story of L.S. Lowry, very famous artist, and uh, his relationship with his mother. And it is deeply depressing, and it is codependent. And it is dysfunctional, <laughs> and it's really, really sad. Given the work that you've done with oh, both of yeah. recently, and no, and it's this. seriously, yeah. it's like you you look at this and you just think, my goodness! But what great performances! Yeah. Uh, should have been a bigger film. This should have been like really mainstream. I don't know why it wasn't. I don't know why this wasn't at festivals and whatnot, but. Um, really uh, a superb discovery if you have a chance to, to find it. Vanessa Redgrave and Timothy Spall in Mrs. Lowry and Son. Really good. Mm. What else we got? Uh, a couple of, couple of more TV things, <clears throat> including 
the first season of a Comedy Central series called uh, The Other Two. Fairly interesting sort of uh, take on contemporary social media dynamics. You have nice. these two siblings, uh, one of them an aspiring actor, the other uh, trying to get herself together. They have a younger brother who's several years younger than them, uh, who's 13 years old and by uh, with little or almost no effort becomes a gigantic internet uh, personality. Because, frankly, you can do that nowadays. Yep. And it's starting to bug me. I'm, yep. gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's starting to bug me yep. that some, some knucklehead who does something on the Internet and gets 3 million followers suddenly gets cast in A-list movies and, and on television shows. and, and all kinds of, no, Look, it, sometimes it doesn't bug me if they actually have talent and the Internet was simply the route for them to display yeah. an actual talent. I can act, I can sing, or whatever the hell it is. Okay, I can live with that. But very often, indeed more often, that's not the case. Uh, they simply become popular because they become popular, and the popularity is not reflective of any kind of talent, uh, and yet they, they get these opportunities uh, that they shouldn't be getting because they can't act and they don't have any talent, and it's just a matter of notoriety. Okay, I'm off my high horse. The other <laughs> two uh, happens to be about a sort of circumstance, a circumstance like that, which is really kind of funny uh, when you think about it. Uh, no particular special features. And Frank, uh, this absolutely the diary of uh, uh, this is just an absolutely devastating um, uh, uh, account the, the, of, yeah, of the end. This Frank, is a very good one uh, with on Ben television. Kingsley. It was just it was just absolutely yeah. absolutely beautiful. Uh, and I don't know uh, it, what 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 can one say about this story. No matter how many times told, no matter how many uh, perspectives uh, it's seen from, it never stops to be an absolutely at once um, uh, uplifting and devastating story uh, of this extraordinary of this extraordinary person who's writing. By the way, I, I, I'm I'm always amazed at, at at such a young age what a what 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 an astute writer she was. Yeah. Um, and Frank. Anyway, it's absolutely true. beautiful. Great performance by Ben Kingsley there. Lost Cities with Albert Lynn, which is really an innovative, interesting series from the net folks over at National Geographic. So Albert travels around the world uh, looking at mostly sort of archaeological sites and using all sorts of high-tech 3D scanning mm. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it looks into and explores everything that we can find out scientifically about places like Stonehenge or the uh, Fortress of the Knights of Templar, uh, the Ghost City of the Pacific, Eldorado, all kinds of neat stuff like that, but from a completely and totally scientific point of view. So this is not one of those series, you know, about ancient aliens and myths or anything like that. This is science at work explaining uh, all kinds of wonderful things uh, and, and discoveries all around the world. Uh, Lost Cities with Albert Lynn from the National Geographic series. Fantastic. Uh, so we got the six movies left here that are all being released this week. Three of them are worth mentioning. The other three, not so much. Three of them that are worth mentioning are not necessarily good. They're just worth mentioning. Mm. Uh, the first is The Nightingale yeah. from uh, Jennifer Kent, who previously did The Babadook, who is really one of the great new uh, director, writer-directors uh, of, of horror and suspense films. Uh, the Babadook was was a pretty cool uh, yeah. debut. Yeah. And her new film is The Nightingale, which I think is even better. <clears throat> I don't know how accessible it is necessarily for, for some people, but I really I think she's uh, got a huge future, and it's very, very cool. Um, very original story. It takes place in uh, 1825 uh, in Australia, when Australia, remember, was a prison colony. Mm -hmm. And it deals with this young woman named Claire, played by uh, Eisling, I think is how you pronounce it. Eisling, yeah. Eisling. Yeah. Uh, Eisling Franciosi, 
who is this this young uh, Irish girl who's a convict, and she spent seven years uh, serving her sentence and uh, thinks it's over. But it's not really over. Yeah. And uh, that's when um, all hell breaks loose, and everything goes sideways in a really, really bad way. And... Um, how do I not reveal anything here? Um, boy, things go sideways in a big way. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. This woman is not given yeah. justice. She's, she's she's supposed to be free after seven. She's years. supposed to be free and, after and seven then, years, and, and, and then, then it just the doesn't guy happen. Won't let her go, and and it goes yeah, bad. Yeah. It gets really bad. Uh, really great performance here uh, by an actor, a young Aboriginal actor whose name I'm going to do my best to not mutilate uh, by Kali. Ganambar, mm. I think is how you pronounce it, by yeah. Kali Ganambar, who uh, plays this Aboriginal tracker. And it, man, is he good! He is really unbelievably good. Uh, and um, it's you know it's a very unusual film. It's a haunting film. It's beautifully, beautifully made. Mm. Uh, really, really superb. Jennifer Kent, keep rocking it. We also have Last Christmas, which was supposed to be the big Christmas uh, kind of quote unquote romance movie. Uh, romantic comedy with Amelia Clark and Henry Golding, who are both really, really riding high. Amelia Clark, obviously, from uh, Game, the of Game of Thrones, yeah. and Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, also from Crazy Rich Asians, shows up in this. And this was co-written by Emma Thompson, mm. who also shows up in it. Paul uh, Feig, kind of doing Paul Feig does, of, yeah. of Bridesmaids. I mean, is it is it a sweet film? Is it really kind of holiday saccharine? Yes. Mm. Is it the movie they marketed? Wow. No. Wow. <laughs> it's not at all what they marketed. It's not at all what they're describing. It's yeah. they're they're calling it a romantic comedy. I don't know that it's really a romantic comedy. Uh, yeah. it, I don't know that it's romantic or comedic. Yeah, yeah. Frankly, yeah, it's yeah. poignant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, look, if you if you stick around to the end of it, it'll definitely get you in the heart, yes, so to speak. Yes, uh, but you know, you get, that means you got to stick around. Uh, are, are there some witticisms? Sure, Emma. Sure. Emma is a witty writer, so there are these moments that will make you giggle. But it doesn't really all hold together. It in, it has intentions or pretensions of Notting Hill meets uh, yeah. uh, what I don't even know what, but but uh, no. Yeah, Notting Hill meets, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, there you go. That's Notting Hill meets we something. Uh, we also have the house that Jack built. You know, Lars von Trier is now so excessive that his films have literally gone, no offense to, to the Shout Factory, Scream Factory people, we love them, but they would not normally have been the first stop for a Lars von Trier film. When most of the last several of his films went straight to Criterion, yeah. Criterion clearly passed on this one yeah. and said, you know what? We did the Antichrist thing. We did the we did we did yeah, with all yeah, your we, all your nonsense. We stuck with you but as long we as we cannot. Could. We cannot. Even we just can't. I have tapped out on Lars for this one. And it, this one, and, and he's doing a weird thing because this is full of big movie stars: Matt Dillon, Bruno Gans, the late Bruno Gans, the Thurman. And, this had walkouts in Cannes. Yeah. Like two thirds of the audience walked out. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, it basically Matt Dillon plays a serial killer. And there are five vignettes, five episodes where he kind of takes you through the, the the masterful artistic poetry of how he slaughters people. It's horrible. Yeah, it's Riley, a horrible Riley film. Keogh, he's, he's, yeah, that's okay. It's it's just awful. Yeah. It's just really awful. It's not artistic. It's I don't know what the problem is. It's just uh, you know Lars has issues, and uh, this is even more pretentious. It has a theatrical cut and the director's cut. The whopping difference between the two of them mm. is like forty eight seconds. <laughs> I mean. What? Um, really? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, yeah. what? what's the... I don't get it. Like, anyway. Hey, man, I've had Lars's back for almost 30 years now. I, I, I gotta just... Get off the 
I'm just, it's just whatever. Anyway, I mean, I guess those 48 seconds is the difference between R and, and, and NC-17. Mm, I, so. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, a few others here that aren't terribly worth noting. One is a Blu-ray DVD combo set called Countdown, uh, which has one of my, one of those, you know, I always like taglines every once in a while. And this one is particularly funny. Uh, death? There's an app for that. <laughs> That's the- I remember that movie. Look, the dumb thing about that movie, I happened to cover that movie when we were on the show. It's this app. Yeah. The app tells you when When you're going to die. Now, and everybody's going around telling everybody, hey, man, there's this app. You download this app, you look, it'll tell you when you're going to die. And then people do it. And I'm like, look, even, 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 because this is perfectly ridiculous, but even in the context of the ridiculousness of it, I still wouldn't download the app. No. So Look, so I would I would never find out whether it's true or not because that's moronic. Even in the ring, they find some sensible ways of convincing people to watch the damn video. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, but, the, you know why download an app? That, that, you know, just, it's nonsense. Yeah, anyway, but it has an Apple TV code included, so you know, knock yourselves out. Uh, we got a dumb comedy with John Cena called "Playing with Fire," which no. is a Blu-ray DVD. That was so dumb <laughs> that I that it struck to me as slightly funny it, because it, it was so stupid. It's so stupid. I mean, it's just it's this is the kind of movie that would have been like a John Candy or a Dan yeah. Aykroyd movie in the 1980s or early 90s oh, or something. Yeah. Uh, and they just throw some money, basically, you know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. This would have been Arnold in the kindergarten, uh, kindergarten cop era. Yeah, yeah. John right. Leguizamo was basically playing a wind-up toy in that movie. Yeah. I mean, I kept looking for the little slot in his back. And Keegan-Michael Key shows up for comic relief, which yeah. is what he's been doing a lot lately, yeah. is showing up in movies that aren't funny yeah. and making them funny Funnier. just by <laughs> the fact of being in them. Um, so I really, you know, Keegan-Michael Key, please, yeah, you know. Be, you know be careful with that. Get your get your get your buddy. Wow. Get your buddy from TV. Yeah. To put you in one yeah. of his real movies. Yes. 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 That's the way it needs to work. We want Key and Peel back together again. Tell Jordan. Yeah. Dude. Put me in a, me a bone. Yeah. Put me in something. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a, it's a silly. It's a it's a fire. It's a silly kitty slapsticky. Fi- it's it's like Home Alone in a fire station. I don't know how else to put it. It's just yeah. it's it's yeah, like exactly Home Alone in a fire station. That's better writing than is in that whole movie. Yeah. Anyway, it's <laughs> That's nonsense. better writing than it's, it's in that whole movie. Uh, and then we've got Nicholas Nicholas Cage and Primal. Okay. I know it's a Blu-ray. I mean, I just uh, I cut him so much slack every time he'll <laughs> he'll make something kind of real and then he'll make like ten really bad movies. Yeah. Um, here he plays a a a uh, a trophy hunter. And uh, he's killed a he's killed a jaguar, and uh, thinks that you know it's just gonna be another one of his gigs, and uh, it winds up you know getting him stuck in some kind of horrible international intrigue thing that makes absolutely no sense, and uh, it, it 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 it's it's dumb. It's just dumb. I don't know who writes this stuff and or gets it funded. I don't really understand. Look, I, man, if you put together enough money, you can buy yourself Nicolas Cage in a movie. That's true. And uh, if you if you can buy Nicolas Cage in a movie, they'll let you make a movie. Uh, yeah, it's 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 this insane loop. Uh, but there it is. Anyway, yeah. uh, all right. Well, r- wrap out things real quickly. Um, also from old some classic stuff. Tom Shadyac's uh, Dragonfly with Kevin Costner. From uh, 2001, um, not 
particularly good, not particularly terrible. It's just kind of a generic thriller from the. It's like a late stage '90s thriller. We had a lot of thrillers in the 1990s, yeah. uh, from Fatal Attraction, and then you know from the '80s into the '90s, everything from Fatal Attraction all the way to whatever. Fill in the rest. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of on the tail end of that line. They were all written by Joe Esterhaas too. <laughs> <it seems> like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, this is this is a guy whose wife has died, and you know, then these yeah. mysterious clues emerge, and you know, is she did she really die? Maybe not. Yeah. And so now we have to get into little Hitchcockian uh, twists and turns. Um, you know, it's not Shadyac is a guy who's known primarily for his comedies, oh, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, Jim Carrey. Uh, yeah, with Jim Carrey, and then you know he's kind of come back to to drama a little bit. And uh, this is, uh, you know, it's a middling film for his effort. It's on Blu-ray, finally, at long last. So anybody who remembers it. We also have a box set from Kino Lorber of British Noir 2, a, a five-film sequel, uh, Blu-ray, uh, not Blu-ray, DVD set mm. uh, to the British Noir 1. This is five more kind of unsung, unknown British Noirs, uh, primarily from the 1940s and 50s. And uh, they include The Uninterrupted Journey, Time Lock, The Vicious Circle, Kosh Boy, and uh, Time is My Enemy. Uh, among other things, you see some very, very young, wonderful British actors in here, including Joan Collins looking unbelievably, staggeringly mm-hmm. beautiful. It's really, really dazzling. Um, uh, Time Lock might be my favorite of all of these. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really interesting concept about a... Um, uh, a guy who is accidentally sealed into a bank vault, yeah. and there's a time lock on it, and uh, yeah, there's only so much oxygen. And it's it's really it's a great claustrophobic thing. But uh, but all of these are really really interesting. Uh, time is my enemy is also really really good, and uh, the vicious circle has a lot of interesting stuff. John Mills is in that one, and uh, it's got uh, Wilfred Hyde White as well, and it, it, a lot of fun stuff here. So um, that's really cool. Joan Collins, by the way, is in uh, Kosh Boy and is probably the only really great thing about it. Yeah. But uh, And then lastly, interesting collection of stuff from the Warner Archive collection. We have uh, Natalie Wood in Penelope, which is uh, just a delightful film. Used to get a lot of, uh, caught a lot of flack over the years. Penelope did as being kind of a, an exploitive, exploitative entry in uh, Natalie Wood's filmography. But I think it is Thank absolutely God. delightful. I, I think it's just a really, really fun kind of capery thing. It's Dick got Dick Shawn and Jonathan Winters. They're hilarious in it. Uh, Ian Bannon is great. Peter Falk is great. It's just a wonderful, wonderful cast. Um, and uh, the title tune is great, by the way. It's a famous, famous song. Uh, a lot of people don't even know that it comes from this movie, but it's really, really good. Uh, also from Warner Archive is uh, Jane Russell in Howard Hughes' Underwater, which is Basically, kind of a cheesy underwater thriller, but it's uh, it it's got Richard Egan and it's got Jane Russell and she's showing off her body and Richard Egan is showing off his. Yeah. And why the hell not? You hell know. Hell yeah. Uh, John Sturges directed it. Uh, you know, ace director John Sturges of the uh, the Great Escape. We also have two on a guillotine, uh, which is uh, a pretty fun film. Uh, produced and directed by William Conrad. Good little uh, kind of a, a, a creepy, creepy thriller um, that deals with magic and a guillotine trick and it's um, it's pretty well done uh, Dean Jones and Connie Stevens um, yeah, some some fun stuff in here uh, Cesar Romero is is so eerie in this thing and William Conrad directing man I know right yeah, yeah. 
And then uh, the unfairly maligned remake of Simran. Simran was one of the first Best Picture winners, and it was, uh, you know, it's a big Western. It was remade in 1960, uh, all about the the big homestead march across Oklahoma in uh, 1889. And it was an epic when it was made in black and white. And this one is, uh, you know, it, they're, they're based on the famous Edna Ferber novel. And this was a big uh, MGM, you know, remake. And it really got slammed, and I think rather unfairly. Um, it's interesting. Uh, Anthony Mann directed it. Um, Glenn Ford and Ann Baxter have really, really great parts in it. And, you know, it doesn't have all the same weaknesses as the original. Well, yeah, the book had weaknesses. You know, it's not a great, great novel. But it's fun. And uh, it's a good, solid Western for the era. So I would check it out. Maria Schell, uh, Russ Tamblin even shows up in this. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty great. Vic Morrow, the late Vic Morrow from, uh, from uh, Combat and the Twilight yeah. Zone movie. So uh, the MGM film Simron from the Warner Archive Collection on Blu-ray as well. So with that, we are done this week. And uh, you know what? We'll be back next week talking about uh, Oscar yeah. postmortem. Let's yeah. see what happens. It's yeah. going to be an interesting year. History will be made no matter what happens. Trends will be shattered. It will be a history-making night. We can't wait to see what happens. We'll see you next week. 